Hello and welcome to this podcast. Um, this is uh, one, of, one of a series of podcasts produced as part of the Healthy London Partnership Ask About Asthma campaign for this year. Uh, my name's Oliver Anglin. I'm a GP in Camden. I'm the clinical lead for children for North Central London and also for the Healthy London Partnership Children's Asthma Programme. Uh, and I'm the chair of the London Asthma Leadership and Implementation Group. So in today's podcast, uh, we will be talking about the idea of asthma-friendly schools. And I'm delighted to be joined by Karen Rodasano. Uh, Karen, thank you so much uh, for, for joining me today. Um, uh, would you, uh, I'll hand over to you just to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Oliver. So my name is Karen Rodasano. And I am the lead for asthma friendly schools across the Islington schools. And I'm also the long term condition uh, children and young persons nurse for Islington schools. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for that. And thank also, you. I think probably um, too, uh, too humble to, to, to mention it in your own biog. But um, I also know that you're the um, winner of a Nursing Times Award for 2019 for your work on yeah. asthma friendly schools as well. So we congrats, congratulations on, on that. Um, Thank you. So, um, you yeah, know, been interesting times, been through, been through the lockdown. How have you been coping with it? And what would you say, um, what would you say you've learned about yourself during the last, uh, last few months? Well, I've definitely developed my IT skills during lockdown. And I've been growing plants, a uh, chilli plant and a little orange tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, an interesting salad that you're developing there. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're hearing a lot of people with these uh, new green fingers that they've developed yeah. during, this, during this period. It seems to be a consistent theme. So, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, as I said, thank you so much for, for coming along. I think we're talking about... Um, this this sort of idea of, of of asthma friendly schools and and the role this plays in um, the whole system approach. Um, can you tell me a bit about the origins of the asthma asthma friendly schools program in Islington? Yeah, so basically, <clears throat> the project was started before I came along. So um, Colette Dat um, identified that there was a need for better asthma education in schools and following on from um, an asthma death that she witnessed at the Whittington in ED she decided to put together um, a plan which she took to the commissioners and the commissioners agreed to fund um, this project during that time Islington had the second highest asthma emergency attendance in London also, following on from the NRAD report, it was identified that there were a number of deaths in London from uh, children and young people. And um, what attracted me to the job was that I've always had an interest in asthma. Um, I have a school, uh, school nurse background and also looked after children background. And I had done a lot of work already in schools around um, asthma, asthma education. And um, looking at the statistics, I just wanted, um, I knew that this project would work and I just wanted to be involved in it and just to show how it could work. Right. So, so sort of few, a few different um uh sort of pressures or triggers around it um flagging yeah. it up as a as an important idea um and colette 
um, obviously from from, yeah. from the Whittington as as one of the the key the key players um, yeah. key players there. What was the what was the reception like around so, around that? Um, idea? It was very hard <clears throat> initially. It was very hard. Um, it was very hard to uh, get my foot into the schools, and it, you know it was constantly phone calls, emails, and it was like selling a service. I really felt like I was selling the service. And because um, a lot of schools had very low education about managing asthma, they didn't actually realise how high profile asthma is. Um, and also, um, I involved the school nurses as well. So they helped to get me into schools. And um, I think when I started the project, there was about 12 schools um, that had signed up and had completed the programme. And um, it took a couple of years, but but when we closed the project, we managed to get into 42 schools. Currently, at the moment, we have 56 that have completed the programme. And it was just really raising awareness um, about asthma and asthma care. Um, some of the reactions that I got from schools were like, oh, well, everyone's got asthma. You know, if we do this programme, we're talking about every child. And it was just explaining that one in 10 children do have asthma and, you know, that the basics of using the right inhaler, the right spacer, following a care plan were being missed, even despite, you know, 15 years of guidance, all saying the same thing. It's the basics that were being overlooked. And this is what I wanted to establish as a knowledge throughout schools. So we chose to do a whole school approach. So this would be all members of staff because it's no good just having one or two staff that are trained um, to deal with an asthma attack. What if they're not in the school or if they've got a day off, they're on holiday? Um, and also it was to aware, uh, raise awareness um, so that people in the community can notice when they're out and about if a child's having trouble if they're having an asthma attack they would know what to do also educating the students and um, educating the parents so it was a big community project can you tell me um a bit more specifically about what that looked like how you set it up what the session consisted of etc so um it's normally delivered as a school coffee morning and um, I would do PowerPoint presentation and I would talk the parents through um, obviously what asthma is, um, tell them a little bit about national statistics. And the most important thing is to explain to the parents the difference between a preventer and a reliever. Also important to show and demonstrate why it's so important to use a preventer if you have asthma. Um, I will go through uh, care plans with them. I will do demonstrations on how to um, administer the medication. I would also uh, teach them how to recognise an asthma exacerbation, what to do. Um, and also reiterate the importance that if they've got a child with diagnosed asthma, that child must have an annual review with their GP. Um, and that's basically what I, I would teach them. And then they would, um, you know, they would then ask me questions about asthma. So, you know, they can ask me anything and hopefully I can answer it. Um, 
but they normally um, there's normally a lot of confusion. I mean, sometimes I have to have a translator as well. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, I've been ringing through um, all the students in Islington on the asthma register. That's been a huge piece of work during COVID-19. And um, a lot of parents that I've spoken to have said to me, oh, we're not using the preventer because my child's not in school. So, you know, it's all about saying, no, no, they do still need to use the preventer. Oh, I thought they only needed to use it when they go to school. So... That's been a really useful piece of work as well, because obviously I couldn't go into schools um, because of COVID-19. So I've been doing, um, you know, one to one telephone consultations with parents over the phone. And um, I'm hoping that this will um, help us and support us with week 38. So I'll be interested to see um, what the statistics are like. The other thing that we found was by educating schools, they were able to identify children that probably had asthma that had never been diagnosed. And by talking to the parents and getting these children off to see a GP and get a review, we, we by doing our audits, we saw an increase at the end of the project of uh, obviously the children with asthma went up because more were being recognised and were getting a proper clear diagnosis. Um, the community work that I do is parent workshops, uh, student workshops, and um, also seeing individual students um, ask, uh, auditing their asthma care and then <clears throat> making a clinical decision on whether I should refer them into primary care, whether they need to go uh, be tertiary care, just making that, or whether they can just be managed by their GP. Um, the other problem that we had, um, you know, I would say on, only about 20% of the care plans were in school. So it was a big uh, piece of work um, involving GPs, um, ensuring that the, the CYP were going off to have their annual reviews. And, you know, if there was any that I was specifically worried about uh, regarding education, um, I would give them education on how to use their treatment, but also refer them into primary care. The asthma, asthma champion, tell me a bit more about that, that role specifically. What, what, you know, what was, what was that about? What was your role in developing those? So basically, um, we've got five golden rules to become an asthma school. So they have to have a separate asthma register, uh, which is uh, not included with the general, the huge register that they will have for general medical needs. They have to have an asthma policy, which we wrote for schools. Every child has to have a care plan, spacer and inhaler in school. They have to have an emergency pack and there has to be a champion, an asthma champion who's updating the records all the time who will let me know if they've got any children with asthma that they're worried about or concerned about. And then that will lead to me going into school to do a one-to-one -one with the parent child and the asthma champion. For example, um, tomorrow I'm booked to go into a school, even though it's during the school holidays, uh, to see parents individually, to talk to them about their child's asthma and to prepare them for week 38 to make sure <clears throat> that they're aware that they must use the preventer. <clears throat> Continuity of treatment is key here. 
I will either refer them uh, back to the GP or I will refer them into primary care to ensure that they ha when they come back to school in September, they've got a care plan in place. Who, who tends to be the asthma champion within the school? Yeah, um, it would normally be the either the welfare officer who's in charge of the medical register or sometimes the SENCO, Special Educational Needs Coordinator. Mm. Um, so it's not normally either one of those. The most important component of that is they have to have annual whole school asthma training as well. And that's provided with the package. Um, and to remain an asthma friendly school, <clears throat> they must have that training every two years. The whole school approach is is a is training for for all members of the Everybody. staff. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and is there more more beyond that? I think um, you know aware, awareness raising um, for um, for for staff so they know how to look after children. But what about you know for the for the children themselves, not just for the asthmatic children? So basically, um, I use a whole school approach and I do assembly. Um, so um, with the very little ones, obviously it's age appropriate and we use like asthma monkey and I show them how to use a spacer inhaler and I get volunteers from early years to come up and they like playing with the monkey using the inhaler. So sort of the message I'm giving to those children is the most important thing that they can do if they see someone having an asthma attack at that age is to let an adult know. know and rush and get spacer and inhaler if they're at home for their relative. Um, as they get older, obviously the uh, content changes a bit. Uh, when we get to year six, I'm doing assemblies to raise awareness about taking responsibility for their asthma care, preparing for when they go to secondary school, um, thinking to themselves, I must take my inhaler, my spacer, my EpiPens, because mum and dad aren't taking me to school anymore. And I do uh, little groups with year six before they go off to secondary school, just to highlight that. And, you know, if there is time, I do follow them through in year seven, just to make sure that they're, that they're carrying their spacer and inhaler. And also that if they're using the blue inhaler during the day, that they are actually telling a member of staff so that we can monitor how much subutamol they're using. And the big difference in secondary school is nobody wants to use a spacer. So then it's about um, talking to them about using other devices, um, but also explaining the importance that if they're having an asthma attack, obviously it's a spacer and an MDI that they'll have to revert back to. Um, in school, in secondary school, it's very different to primary school. In primary school, they're very, very nurtured. Um, obviously, you know, as they get older, they go off into the big wide world and um, they become responsible for themselves. So um, in one of the secondary, a couple of the secondary schools, actually, in Islington, I've done uh, student asthma groups where the students actually chose the agenda of what they wanted us to discuss. And it was just really reiterating um, asthma management, asthma education. Um, and then if the, 
the schools will let me know if children are off with asthma and, and then once again I would go in to talk to the student just to find out what's going wrong just to reiterate you know um, good practice. I mean you, you, you kind of mentioned in passing there the, the, the process how, how important would you say that is? When in primary school uh, the inhalers and the spacers are kept in the cl each classroom because they don't move around and the asthma register is in the classroom for those children but as they get older and they go to secondary school obviously they're moving around a lot for different parts of the building so um, the care plan and spacer and inhaler would be in the office but also because they're older children they should they well I'm hoping that they would be carrying a spacer and inhaler on them but just to I always just let them know that they must let an adult or a teacher know how many times they've used that subutamol because what we don't is for a child to be at risk they're using loads of subutamol uh, you know for instance they haven't been using their preventer um, they're not telling anybody um, you know the schools are trained to recognize the key signs of when a child needs to be referred back to the GP or when they need to go to the hospital. Um, but, you know, if you've got a, a teenager that's not telling you, you know, they've used their blue inhaler six times in one day, um, you know, it can be fatal and we wouldn't, we couldn't prepare for that. What's going on with these, with these information, the information flows um, and how does, you know, how does, the information get from the schools through to through to through to primary care, for example, or you know from you through to the GP. How 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 does how does the asthma friendly schools integrate into everything else? So basically, um, <clears throat> I work alongside with the school nurses, so they are going into school as well. So um, you know if they've got a child that they're worried about they will email me and then um, you know I will check to see if the child is known to us and normally um, I you know I take it from there and I would either um, call and speak and email the GP or um, you know if they've got an Islington GP um, I normally just refer them into primary care so I do keep primary care quite busy So you would um, contact the GP your, yourself? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, school nurses are quite capable of doing that. So, but, you know, sometimes that they've got, you know, such a heavy workload. Mm. And that's really what I'm here for, to try and reduce some of that workload from them. So, um, you know, fine, they might directly do that themselves, which is great. But if not, then I would take it from there. Just just so good that all the services uh, fit together and that we have the primary care nurses doing asthma reviews now in Islington GPs. Um, it's just perfect the way that it all fits together with the school nurses. So it's, you know, it's a multi-team approach. What are the kind of important outcomes you've been able to demonstrate, do you think, as a result of this programme? Well, what, what impact have you had? We've got some very good ones actually because obviously we audited, uh, we do a pre-audit, a post-audit and we have found that we have reduced by 50% a reduction in emergency emissions for asthma over the last five years. So that's huge. Mm. Um, you know, we there was an increase of 33% of children and young people put on the asthma register after teaching. Um, you know, there was so there was 33% of uh, children and young people 
are walking around with undiagnosed asthma. And we dropped, we dropped from being the second worst for uh, highest, I shouldn't say worst, highest for asthma attendance. We're now uh, down to 14. Hmm. So I think that speaks for itself, really. Yeah, big, um, big kind of, uh, big kind of. Yeah, change. I mean, I know, and it, it is frustrating. I know that all boroughs aren't as fortunate as us, um, because to deliver this program, if I was working as a school nurse, I wouldn't be able to have done it. And what I would say to other boroughs um, is to read our model of care and just see how you can fit it into your budget. You might not be able to do the whole bit, but just take out the bits that you can do because we've showed that it makes a difference. I mean, really, ideally, I would love for this to be in every borough and then for it to be mandatory nationwide. Mm. Um, yeah, I, think... I, mean, I would just love uh, for the chance for it to be delivered in another borough uh, for them to audit the results and just just see because I you know I can put my hand on my heart and say that you know if the programs followed the way that we delivered it I'm sure you know you could achieve 50% or even higher in reduction of asthma admissions it's all about education thinking back over the um the, the program and now with the experience that you've um that you've had um what do you think you would do um differently or what advice would you give to others to not make the same mistakes that you made? So it was about um, building trust with the schools. Um, I would say the most important thing is to have good teams around you. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate. I had Colette. Um, I had John Marais, um, our consultant. I had Anna Marot, our clinical nurse specialist. Um, you know, I would say have a good steering group. I had a steering group with key uh, professionals um, that helped me to make decisions um, with the asthma-friendly schools. Um, but I would say, um, you know, there's got to be continuity. You can't leave a break um, because it does affect the programme. Yeah, okay. So uh, important around uh, around continuity. And, uh, and I think... Also, hearing you say there about the the importance of the relationships, yeah. there's something there's something about you know being the face of and and building up that kind of trust and 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 um, experience over time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, what do you think now? Obviously, there's been a lot of work that's been that's been that's been done. What does the for for Islington? What does the future look like? would you say now after all the work you've done what do you what's the future like for for asthma friendly schools in, in Islington? So basically just continuity of the program um, and that's to ensure that um, all schools have the training every two two years also it's very important to still deliver the assemblies uh, the group work we did have a self-management asthma group as well um, that was delivered in schools um, but it was with older students and it was very hard to engage them. Um, I would also say um, we're actually taking that model of care and we're actually applying it to um, allergy in schools. 
and we are doing a new uh, a new long-term condition alongside the asthma training and the allergy training we're now going to be adding eczema wonderful thank you um, th well thanks so much for that Karen it's been really interesting to um, talk to you today and to hear about um, hear about your work um, uh, I think a lot of um, useful information there for anyone who's interested in, in trying something similar uh, there are other podcasts available um, from the Healthy London Partnership, which you can get access to at healthylondon.org. We have one on uh, working across the system, learning from the Tower Hamlets experience. Uh, we have one on air quality, what we've learned from COVID, uh, learning from asthma deaths. We have a podcast um, on Ask the Expert, where we have questions from parents and children about asthma. Uh, and then also one on tertiary care, the role of tertiary care in the asthma um, system response. So um, do uh, I encourage you just to get along and have a little listen to those as well. Uh, thank you all for joining me today for downloading and having a little listen. Um, I look forward to uh, speaking to you again on uh, one of our other podcasts. Thank you so much. <laughs>